be with you here today. Uh, yeah, a couple of things. Uh, last week we had our uh, Lakeview Bible Camp scholarship offering, and so far we've received twenty six hundred dollars. A bunch of these, yes, it's awesome. Um, if you gave electronically, it most likely that hasn't showed up yet. It takes a while for that to process and to show up in our in our book. So that twenty six hundred was primarily what was received uh, in offering as cash checks. So I want to thank you. That uh, is open. Uh, we again, our goal is to raise six thousand dollars because we want to help scholarship and at least 30 of our kids and their friends to go to camp. The other thing I just want to say, shout out, a uh, big thank you to our descent ministry and our family ministry team as they partnered together to do Birds in the Park last night at Lakeside Park. Um, a lot of people uh, showed up, a lot of people helped. It was a great night. There was some uh, very fun contacts that were made by people who are, are not part of Crossroads and uh, so we are just, yeah, just a, a great, great evening. So uh, thanks to you. Today we are going to start a new series, and while it's in, you know, all truthfulness, it's a continuation of a series that we've been in for over a year, and that is a journey through the book of First Corinthians. And if you remember, in our journey through First Corinthians, we a year ago, a lot about unity. Paul implores the church in Corinth in chapter 1, verse 10. He says, you know, be united, be in unity, be of like mind. Um, and remember, we talked about one of the things that we do is we label people. Our minds are cognitive misers. We, we don't want to take time to really get to know somebody that doesn't think like us. And so that causes division because we throw a label. And what we talked about over a year ago was let's get rid of those labels. And if there's somebody that doesn't think like us or uh, you know believe exactly like us, let's develop a relationship, get to know them. Chances are you're not going to be that far apart in your belief system. Paul also talked about in, in chapter two how the main thing is proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ and. For him, he wanted to do it in a way that was a demonstration of the Spirit and the power. Because when we proclaim in that demonstration of Spirit and power, people put their faith in God and not in man. Uh, Paul also talked about in chapter 3. He called a bunch of the people in Corinth babies. They were people that lived by the flesh, not by the Spirit. And when you live by the flesh, you're a baby Christian, and he's got to keep teaching you baby stuff. So live by the Spirit. Last fall, we focused more on the problem of pride as we looked through chapters 5 through 8. So don't boast about your head knowledge. Don't boast about whatever leader you follow. It, it, it's about Christ. It's about the gospel. And that knowledge is not about just what's up here in your head is about what gets down into your heart, because in your heart is where transformation happens. Then the last few months this winter, as we looked at chapters 9 through 11, we talked about the main thing. It's, it's not about whether you're married or single, it's not about whether you eat food offered to idols or you go 
golfers, the idols. It, it, it's about setting aside your freedom and your rights for the main thing, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Paul says this really, really hard thing. He's saying, he says, I become all things to all people that by all means I might win some. And that's a hard message. That's the main thing. So we are called, as Paul gets to the end of chapter 10, he said at the beginning of chapter 11, he says, we are called to imitate him as he imitates Christ. Paul is our example. So we're, we're picking it up. We're going to pick up in chapter 11. But before we dive into chapter 11, I just want to give us some introductory stuff as we move into this. The first thing is, just to, you know, those first 10 chapters, Paul is trying to remind us, the big picture is Paul trying to remind us what is important. The gospel of Jesus Christ, and that we are to be unified in that. And that there's nothing that is more important. And then now Paul turns his attention to, as we get to chapter 11, he begins to really look at what proper Christian worship was like, or is like. And that's what we're going we're to look at right now. In fact, uh, the old theologian uh, N.T. Wright says this, being grasped by the gospel as Paul has expounded it in 1 Corinthians, means worshiping the true God, and so reflecting this God by becoming a more complete human being. Genuine humanness results from true worship. That is Paul's vision. But what Ryan is saying here is that it is, we are genuine humans. We are the humans that God has created us to be, to be when we live our lives in a way that worships God, that brings glory and honor to God. In fact, chapter 6, verse 20 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, remember, you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. In 1031, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This is this is our life. The main thing is proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, but the main thing is part of that is bringing glory to God. We, we worship God when through our actions and through our life, it brings glory to God. The theme verse for me for chapters 11 through 14 is verse, or, uh, chapter 14, verse 1, and it says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. As we walk through these four chapters over the next four weeks, we will look at them with the reflection of this challenge by Paul, that we follow the way of love, or as some of our <coughs> translations say, pursue love. And as we eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. To help us understand this verse better, and to understand what we're talking about as we move into these uh, next few chapters, we're going to go back to school. I know we're all excited about going back to school, and we're going to learn a little grammar. Grammar was my least favorite subject all the way through school, all the way through high school, and even as I got into college, and even as I got into seminary, I only did grammar because I had to. It's not because I wanted to, but sometimes it's all in the grammar that helps us understand a verse. And that's why I've titled this series, The Power 
of and because sometimes it's the little words that have the biggest impact. Just like oh, I'm Terry. You may not be super big. <laughs> Let me tell you, she packs a punch. <laughs> Just saying. <sighs> I'm like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious to science, but it really doesn't mean anything. Terry's like and, but boom, you know she's there. In 14 verse 1, this word and, in, in the way it's using grammar, is a conjunction. And if you can't remember what conjunction is, well, I got a little video from the blast of the past to remind you what a conjunction is. Like, 
I'm really sorry I yelled at you, but if you had just been what I said, told you to do, I wouldn't have had to. What happens is that eliminates the apology. And kind of here, it's, it's kind of like, so here we have this follow the way of love, but uh, the real thing is eagerly desiring the gift of the Spirit. Let's say, let's say we change that conjunction to or. It would look like this. Follow the way of love or eagerly desire the things, uh, you know, the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Now you've got a choice. It's up to you. What do you want to do? Do you want to pursue love? Do you want to follow the way of love? Or do you want to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit? It's really up to you. Well, here's another conjunction I might just throw in there. What if we put in the conjunction then? Follow the way of love, then eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially the prophecy. Now it's a one after the other. It is a, hey, as soon as the extreme is, as soon as you figure out this way of love or pursuing love, then, and then, then you can eagerly desire the things of the Spirit. But that's not what Paul said. Is Paul says this, and let's put the correct word back in there again. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Especially Now that's why, for me, the title of our sermon series is The Power of Aim. And in, specifically in this verse, that even in a broadest perspective, we as humans, we like to draw lines in the sand, and we like to say either or. We like to say this, but really, what about that? But in this passage, in what I find and have found, the more I study scripture, the more I, I spend time learning and reading and growing in my understanding of God's word, the more I understand that I, I feel like God uses the words and way more often. I feel like God does way more in trying to bring all things. See, if we're going to do what Paul asks us to do in chapter 1, verse 10, where he says, I implore you to be of like mind, to be unified, to live in harmony, we need to understand this word, and. Because you can't have harmony if you're constantly looking at Judging whether they what they say or believe is right or wrong according to you. So now that we understand the power of this one word, let's look at what Paul tells us to do in 14.1. He says this follow the way of Now, among other things, we know that God is love, right? So we could probably say pretty easily that the way of love is really following God. But if, if we're going to continue our grammar lesson here, we, we see that love is our noun and follow. 
follow the way or pursue is our verb, so our action is to pursue, then what are we supposed to pursue? We are supposed to pursue love. So the question is, how do we do that? How do we follow the way of love? How do we pursue love? And I'm hoping, and I know that especially as we dive into chapter 13 in a couple weeks out, we'll, we'll get a better grasp of what it means to pursue love. We also need to understand what love means. I mean, I, I can go, oh, I love drinking. <laughs> yeah, drinking, right? But I'm not sure if that's the way Paul is using love or what he's describing here. First John 4, 7 and 8 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves and has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. There's the big one. When we talk about pursuing love, there's the big one. God is love. So everything we know, everything we need to know about Doing love, or following the way of love, is following our relationship with God. And the greatest example that God gave us of His love is when He sent His Son Jesus Christ to earth, and when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and He rose again. That is love. That is. The example we need to follow. Etc. We'll we'll dive more deeper into this when we get to chapter 13 in a few weeks. But the other thing that Paul tells us to do is he tells us to eagerly desire. This is another verb, it's an action, and this action is an emotion. Uh, but there's something that we need to know about this desire because the Greek word that is used there is zealous, which is where we get our word zealous from or zeal. So it means to burn with zeal, to be heated to boiling. In the negative sense, that's burning with anger, burning with bitterness and with rage and hatred. In the positive sense, it's burning with the, the zeal and desire to do good. It transforms the way you live. So to earnestly desire is an action. So I'm going to give you an illustration. Um, I, uh, golf is something I enjoy doing. And back many, many years ago, when I was young, before Terry came into my world, I did a lot of golf. I played a lot of softball. I did a lot of hunting. I played a lot of basketball in the wintertime. I did a lot of things. I desired to be in competition and play competitively. I, I, was, all, I was doing it all, all that kind of stuff. Well, 
I've always had this desire to play golf, but over time, during our marriage, we started having kids, all of a sudden that desire never left, but it became less of a priority. And all of a sudden, I'm only golfing a handful of times a summer, then maybe once a summer, and then maybe after I don't even get out to golf. I've always had that desire to golf. This last year, I was like, I'm golfing. I'm going to golf a whole bunch. For, for me, my desire changed from just desire to golf. Now I'm earnestly desiring to golf. I'm eager. Things are going to change in my life that I get out. Go. Make the end change. First thing I did. I bought these things. Well, this is way out of shape. And as you get older, you just can't go and do things anymore. So there's these resistant bands. And I, I bought them. And I started working out. Four times a week with these resistance bands. The reason why I'm doing this is I, I know I know I need to get in shape. I, I, I just know that. But the drive or the reason why I'm doing these resistance bands is because I know that I want to play golf, I want to do it well, and I know I, I've had back issues in the back. I need to strengthen my core, I need to strengthen my balance, all that before I even get on the golf course. So that's my desire to golf me, I, I bought this kind of stuff. The other thing I did is like, uh, my club, uh, we golf in the same game? Okay, sorry. My, my irons were about 35 years old. So it was like, time's up for But I know it's not the, it's not the iron that makes the golfer golf that makes the iron. So I knew it wasn't going to change my game, right? So I went and invested in some new irons. So, yeah. The other thing is, I, I got this membership, not just one uh, golf club, it's called the Public, uh, public Golf Club Membership. So it's membership to multiple sports, it's the same monthly fee as a traditional golf. I've already golfed more this year than I have in the last. Probably four or five years before. This is a lot. I'm just trying to tell you. I didn't golf at all last summer. The summer before, I think I golfed half a round because it rained. And the summer before, it was one. So just so you know, it's like I haven't gone out in time. But for me, this is the illustration for the difference between a desire. And to earnestly desire. We desire a whole bunch of different things. And nothing happens. But when you earnestly desire something, you begin to do things to change in your life. It may be investing time, it may be investing money, it may be investing other resources. Whatever you do, you begin to make changes to help make that desire happen. And as we move forward today,
today and in this series. Okay, I'm just going to go right through what Paul said back in chapter uh, 9. And he says, I become all things to all people that by all means I can win some. That's earnestly desired, right there. Most of us want to win some people for the Lord. We know it's important. Paul says, I become all things to all people that by all means I might win some. That's earnestly desired. What are we being eagerly desire? We are to eagerly desire spirits. Yep, that's right. Now I know you're looking at your translation. You saw the difference before. It said spiritual gifts. Now let's go back to grammar. In the Greek, it doesn't have the word for gifts in this sentence. It says to love. And earnestly desire the spiritual. We've got a problem. We have an adjective, spiritual, that has no noun to describe. Can't describe. What do we do? Now, our translators, they fill it in for us, which is good. We need to be filled in. And they look at kind of the context of what's going on there. Yes, Paul's talking about gifts. And he even says there, especially prophecy, which is a gift. And so there's, there's good reason to put that noun in there, gifts. But I wonder, if we didn't get so much in a hurry to fill in the blank, that we let it get I wonder if we looked at 1 Corinthians 14 1 more literally translated. To love, eagerly desire, and the spiritual to greater people. What if we just went to love and eagerly desire? The Jewish Bible has another way of putting it, and I like the way they put it. They go this way. They say, to love. However, keep on eagerly seeking the things of the Spirit, and especially seek to be able to talk about Look at how much it changes what our focus is on. Rather than our focus being on just now the focus is on keep on seeking the things of the spirit. Now, let's look at the context of the Bible, because I think there's plenty of evidence in Paul's writings and other places the Bible go, yeah, this might be a better way for us to do this. First Corinthians 2. Paul tells us he imparts words not taught by human wisdom, but taught, taught by the Spirit. But the natural person doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. Only the spiritual person. Same adjective, spiritual, but in 2, chapter 2, Paul does put the word for a person there. So if I can understand the things of the Spirit, I need to be a spiritual person. It's not 
like eagerly seeking things of the Spirit. What about chapter 3, where Paul says, live, people who live in the flesh, who are selfish, who are jealous and divisive, uh, they don't understand the things of the Spirit. They're babies. What about Galatians 5, 16, where Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's, that sounds like, you know, walking by the Spirit. It sounds like eagerly desiring the things of the Spirit. What about Philippians 4? Don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, like requesting your name, talk to God, and then Paul goes on to, you know, think on these things, that which is true and honorable and just and pure and excellent. Sounds like eagerly desiring the things of the Spirit. What about Colossians 3? Set your mind and heart on things above, Christ is, don't, don't think about the things of the earth. And he says, put to death all the sexual immorality and purity and evil desire and clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, and gentleness. Or maybe that sounds like eagerly desiring the Spirit. And what about Ephesians 5? Understand what the will of the Father is. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and address each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and make melody in your heart. Within the spirit that sounds like eagerly desiring the spirit, and I could go on. I've been crucified with Christ, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That sounds like eagerly desiring. Talk about coming together and worshiping together as followers of Jesus. As we talk about the issues that the church of Corinth faced and how maybe that impacts us or how we are facing similar issues, I want to challenge us to pursue love and earnestly desire the same spirit. Pursue love and set your heart and your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, not on things of this earth. Because as we pursue love, as we together earnestly desire the things of the Spirit, we will experience we will experience a manifestation of the Spirit and of power. We will begin to see lives change because our focus is not on ourselves. Our focus is on Jesus.